The director of the most awaited and talked about movie of the summer, Paul Feig, on Ghostbusters, The Haters, and the awesomeness of 80s nostalgia. This is Pop Culture Confidential. How cool is this for a summer pop culture confidential special? Hi, I'm Christina Yerling-Biro, and I'm so thrilled to talk to Paul Feig, the director of the 2016 Ghostbusters reboot and someone I've been wanting to talk to for a long time. With this year's huge summer release, Paul Feig has taken on one of the most beloved comedy franchises, Ivan Reitman's 1984 blockbuster Ghostbusters, then starring Bill Murray, Dan Aykroyd, Harold Ramis, and a host of comedy and acting greats. Paul Feig started as a stand-up comedian and actor. Among other things, he played a science teacher on the TV show Sabrina, the Teenage Witch. Then he would go on to create one of the most seminal series on the teenage experience ever, much of it based on his own adolescence, the short-lived but masterful Freaks and Geeks, with Judd Apatow as exec producer. After its cancellation, Feig ended up in what he describes as movie hell. He couldn't even get a TV pilot made. But he did direct episodes of some iconic TV series such as The Office, Arrested Development, and Mad Men. Then Judd Apatow suggested that Mr. Feig direct the movie Bridesmaids. And with that, the hits have come nonstop. And his collaboration with comedy genius Melissa McCarthy continued after Bridesmaids with the hits The Heat and Spy. The reboot of Ghostbusters is his biggest project to date, massive in every way to say the least, from the production to the expectations. Feig and co-screenwriter Katie Dippold have not written a continuation of the Ghostbusters universe, but these Ghostbusters have their own origin story. And they put together an amazing cast of some of the best comedic actors working today, Melissa McCarthy and three SNL geniuses, alum Kristen Wiig and from the current Saturday Night Live cast, Leslie Jones and Kate McKinnon. But who knew that busting ghosts in 2016 would cause such controversy? As you may have heard by now, these new Ghostbusters are women, a fact that unleashed a shocking amount of vitriol, trolls, and hate. To a degree that shocked director Paul Feig, who continuously has worked for greater female representation on TV and film. YouTube users gave the Ghostbusters trailers more than one million negative votes and commenting that women simply cannot be Ghostbusters. But trust me on this one, guys. These women can bust ghosts and more. It will haunt you every night. Whatever it is, no one should have to encounter that kind of evil. Except you girls. I think you can handle it. Oh, oh, good. Thanks. We have a gift. We see what no one else is willing to see. We do things others can't do. Ghostbusters. If there's a paranormal problem, we're the ones to answer the call. Hello. Don't piss off the ghosts. Really?
Mr. Feig, thank you so much for coming on the show. Hi, Christina. My pleasure. I'm such a huge fan. Freaks and Geeks really meant very much to me, and Ghostbusters is just a, a blast. Oh, thank you. You and your co-writer, Katie Dippold, um, you were walking on hollowed comedy ground rebooting such a beloved movie. Um, what was important for you to keep, and um, what were your conversations about what to change? Well, it was um, just basically facing it like um, fans, you know, the, the fans of the fans of the original, like we are. Uh, you know, we both huge, you know, huge fans of it, and said pretty early on, okay, if we weren't doing this ourselves, what would we be sad if we went to see it that we didn't see? <laughs> uh-huh. You know, and it becomes pretty pretty easy, pretty quickly. You go like, oh, you want to see the Ecto one, you want to see the proton packs and flying, and you want to see Slimer, and then. You know, you want some, you know, it'd be nice to also see, you know, just some people from the original movie, just the actors. You just want those little bits of kind of comfort food that also tell you that the filmmakers aren't pretending that, you know, the other movie just didn't exist at all in our world. Um, and so, but then, you know, we didn't want to make it our own with our own new characters. So it was really just facing it that way as fans and then just figuring out ways to show the origins of the various things from the original movie you know, in a fun way so that our, our new our new team could own them on their own. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was your own relationship in 1984 to Ivan Reitman's movie? When, when did you see it? I, I saw it opening weekend, um, my opening night, actually, because oh, I was in film school at the time. Oh, yeah, I was in film school at the time and, you know, I'm a massive... Uh, comedy fan and so was a huge fan of Harold's from SCTV and Dan and Bill obviously who were huge and um, so we just rushed to the theater going to see it but we didn't know anything about it because in the days before the internet you didn't find out everything about a movie you saw like one trailer and then saw a poster and that was about it so we just had this amazingly pure experience of, of seeing all this stuff for the first time and being so surprised by it and I, I just I'd never seen a comedy that had that big of scope that it was, you know, you know, like, you know, you never felt like comedy could play out in that big of, a, of an arena with special effects and everything. And that just was not such an impression on me. And now you're working with some of the most talented comedians out there today. Did you know that these four would have the chemistry that they have? And did you audition them together? No, I never auditioned them together. I just, I just knew, I mean, I'd worked with uh, Melissa and Kristen and obviously their chemistry is through the roof already because of bridesmaids and just, you know, if you ever hang out with them for two seconds, they are just so much fun together. Uh, but then, you know, Leslie and Kate, I was just so familiar with their work and I just like the dynamic since it was a story about, you know, two former best friends played by Kristen and Melissa who then, you know, have some new people come into their lives. And that was really when we did the camera test, um, the day before we started shooting, uh, you know, we always have the actors put on all their costumes and we just, you know, shoot them in front of like a, a, a neutral kind of set just to see how they look on, you know, if the colors are right, if you need to do any adjustments. And um, right towards the end, I said, oh, let's let's see all four of them together in their, in their uniforms just to see how it looks. And they walked out and stood in a line and I was like, okay, turn left, turn right. And then they just started like doing a chorus line. They started dancing. They started <laughs> posing and doing all these goofy poses and just making each other laugh. And I was just like, I remember turning to my assistant director going like, Oh my God, this is like a home run. <laughs> like, my job, my job just got way easier. <laughs> so that, it was, yeah, it was great. They're, they're just such, I mean, lovely people. That's, but that's the thing about comedy, true comedy people are team players. 
and they don't kind of strike out on their own and they aren't divas because they can't be because they're only as funny as the people, you know, who they're working with. And um, so it just creates such a lovely atmosphere in the set. Right. You've been a real champion for female representation in film. Um, I recently interviewed uh, Melissa Silverstein of Women in Hollywood, who actually gave you an, an award recently the, at the Athena um, Festival. Yeah. Did the hate and misogyny that you experienced during making this movie shock you? Yeah, it did. It did. It really opened my eyes to a whole new world. You know, I mean, you know, no, look, I always I have to say first, it wasn't everybody against this movie was not a misogynist. There's plenty of people who were just worried about a reboot and all that. So I right. always have to get that out of the way because people accuse me of saying everybody against the movie is a misogynist. But I can tell you, having been hit for two plus years by a contingent of men who are truly misogynistic, and I find it chilling. I mean, because what I do every time I get anything like that sent to me, I always trace it back to who, you know, I just want to see who the person is. Mm-hmm. And, you know, first of all, sure, it's a lot of, you know, basement dwelling guys who just have sad lives. But then, you know, they'll be, I'll, I'll trace it to a lot of places and it'll be, a, you know, then there'll be a picture of this guy with his, like, two daughters and he's like, you know, proud father of two girls. And you're like, wow, this is, you know, there's something really bad going on. And, and you know, and there's this whole movement going on, this anti-feminist movement, because you go and they hashtag, hashtag, there's a hashtag, feminism, feminism is cancer, and it's a hashtag that's everywhere. And then there's all, then on top of it, there's this whole movement of people who are anti-SJWs, and we, you know, we take on SJWs, which is social, social justice warriors, which to me means anybody who's trying to do something good for the world. Right. And, um... And these, you know, they are out there and they will attack. And I mean, I got two years of anybody who writes something nice to me immediately gets attacked by these guys. These trolls come out and they just go after them. I'm, I'm talking about going after like, a, you know, a mother will write me like with sending a picture of her daughter, you know, you know, wearing her own Ghostbusters costume mm-hmm. and thanking me for doing this. And suddenly she will get just inundated with trolls and saying the most hateful stuff. And, serious? you know, it's really, it's, no, and it, it, it's, I am, and it's really time I'm telling you, I, I, I love everybody. I'm one of the nicest people you ever meet. But, but one thing that puts me off is bullies because, you know, we, we all went through them in, when we were kids, you know, and that's why a lot of us are in the geek world. Mm-hmm. And yet bullies have taken over a, a segment of the Internet. And I, it, we really have to take it back because it's just, it, it's, it's bad. It's really bad. And, and for them to be able to run like this and just, attack people. And I'm not talking about just like, you know, kind of measured attacks or debate. I'm talking about just name, horrible name calling and harassment. And I just think, I mean, I mean, this really opened my eyes. I had not experienced this before. Did it, will it change your process in any way? This sort of, the things you've learned you're going, going forward? No, I mean, they just, they just yell and stream and, you know, and that's, you know, that's, if, if, if the minute any artist or filmmaker started making decisions based on, Based on that, then we might as well all give up. Right. But um, but I go into it with my eyes wide open this time. But you know, at the same time, I will you know I refuse to get chased off the internet because I've met the most wonderful people you know throughout this this two years, and to to cut off the ninety five percent of fantastic people I meet and have great dialogue with and get to keep up with and hear their opinions and thoughts, you know, to avoid this horrendous five percent of of you know just Right. nasty people, nasty, joyless people, you know, I would never know, but, but it's, but it's just, you know, it's just sad that we have to deal with that because, mm-hmm. you know, these, you know, these aren't people who would come up to you and say it to your face. No, these no. are people who, 
and hide behind the anonymity of the internet. And I, I really think it's, it's, it's bad. What about on a studio level when you were working, when you introduced the fact of an all-female cast? Did you feel anything in that level? No, no. The studio was nothing but supportive. I mean, you know, look, the fact that Sony not only greenlit a, a, a summer tentpole movie with four women in the leads, but then, you know, spent a lot of money on it. Right. That's a real testament to, uh, you know, to, to a thawing going on in the, the, in the business. And um, I just hope it continues. I hope it's not just that I get that because I'm known for working with, with funny women, but, that you know, now they start to... Yeah, I she hope is, so. You know. yeah. Well, I was just saying at the top, Freaks and Geeks was very meaningful to many um, in my age bracket and to me, a true sort of representation of life, um, adolescent life, um, which is pretty tough for a lot of us. But on a side note, I find it funny how in the scope of your career, you sort of resurrected and saved our adolescents and then just ruined everyone's childhood with Ghostbusters. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I've, apparently, I have the power to do both, and I have no idea. <laughs> Kelly, making... <laughs> Telling funny stories with funny people would uh, would be anything other than just simply entertaining. <laughs> right, but I have to ask you. I understand on Freaks and Geeks, you ha- is this true that you had um, your writers fill out a questionnaire about their real high school experiences, the best things that happened, the most humiliating, and love life and stuff. If I would have to fill one of those about my teen experience, I mean that would have been the world's most boring resume. <laughs> um, was it true? Yeah. <laughs> oh, it's very true. Oh, yeah. That's. I mean, we. You know, putting the show together, I, I wanted to make sure, you know, just, well, the pilot and everything was based on, you know, a lot of stuff that had happened to me. And, and, you know, I knew I wanted the series to have a lot of just, you know, these kind of terrible but true stories from adolescents because I know that's the thing, you know, we all kind of relate to. And, and I, but I, you know, I didn't want to make up stories and figured with all these great writers and we we're all, you know, all of us in the business are, you know, pretty much former geeks, if not current geeks. And just knowing that everybody's got those stories to tell, especially if you make them think you know, and, and go back and remember stuff that they choose to forget, you know, that's where you're going to find the greatest vein of, of, of funny, heartbreaking stories. Um, you know, and that's what I want. I want to do, I always want to do stuff that people relate to in some way, you know, whether it's the characters or the things they're going through or it's the, you know, the actual, you know, events that happen to, happen to people. Because, you know, I, I, I always love when somebody comes up and they're like, oh my God, that happened to me and I forgot about it or I, you know, or something similar happened and I put it out of my mind and this is the first time I remember it. Because it is, it's sort of therapeutic to remember and revisit those things that seemed so terrible at the time that are now, you can kind of laugh about and you can also, it's good to remember them so you can process them. It really is therapeutic, I think. Hi, Cindy. Hey, Sam. I was wondering, um, you said you'd save a dance for me, so can I have it now? I mean, if you're not busy. I'm not busy. What kind of a teen were you? Me, a big nerd. <laughs> <laughs> very geeky, um, very awkward, you know, very arrested development case, you know, which is which is why I found high school very fascinating and why I wanted to do Freaks and Geeks in the first place because I, I, I just seen so many stories about high school and you know, movies and all that. It was either about the cool kids or it was about, you know, well, it usually was just about the cool kids, you know, and like dating and having all time. I mean, we were all, my team and I, you know, my group of, of nerdy guys and then our, our, you know, the funny girls that we hung out with, 
but we all, we weren't even kind of concerned with that kind of thing. It was, we were all in drama club and, mm-hmm. you know, and making each other laugh and just kind of trying not to get beaten up and, you know, too scared. All the guys were all pretty much too scared to ask girls out. And, you know, but I like that. I, I, I went all, always kind of hold up the innocence of that because, you know, especially now when everybody's, you know, seems like everybody has to grow up so fast. And, uh, you know, I always want to, Whoever doesn't want, you know, that's fine. If you want it, that's great. But the, the people who don't want to and the kids who don't want to grow up that fast, I always like to show them, look, you don't have to. It's like, you know, take your time. Yeah. There's plenty of, plenty of time to be a grown-up and have to, you know, deal with the crap. And as you were describing, there's this new um, sort of platform of hate with the Internet that wasn't at that time when we were growing up, which makes things more right, difficult. Right, exactly. <laughs> Um, but I feel well, that's the thing. I mean, cause it used to be, yeah, just because your bullies used to just, you know, just confront you in the locker room, and that was horrendous, but then it was, you know, at least you knew where they were, you knew who they were. Right, right. Um, I just want to see, Mr. V, if, if this is a true story, because the, the, if it is, it's the most Hollywood story I know. W- were you able to quit your sort of day job and pursue comedy because you won a big game show? Yes. Yes, it is true. <laughs> yeah, I, when I, I, I graduated from, from film school and then went and got a job as a script reader uh, for Michael Phillips, who, who was a big producer uh, at the time, and still is. And, um, yeah, so I did that for like a year, but I'd always been, you know, I'd started doing comedy when I was a stand-up when I was 15 and really wanted to get back to it, but I couldn't afford to quit my job. And so started looking through the paper because that was back then especially there was in the in the in the classified ads they always had these ads for game shows mm-hmm. you, they were looking for contestants for and I tried out for a bunch and didn't get any but then I found out that the twenty five thousand dollar pyramid was auditioning and I knew that show backwards and forwards is my it was my favorite show growing up. And um so I went on it and uh, yeah I, I won for four days straight and I won twenty nine thousand dollars actually oh, wow. and, uh, <laughs> yeah I know I was an overachiever <laughs> and uh, and then yeah quit my quit my job and just became a stand up full time and uh, that was that's really what put me in the business allowed me to you know to, to be able to go work in clubs seven nights a week and just you know work in my act all day long and uh, so I, I have I owe. I owe um, Dick Clark for that, and I owe uh, an actress who has since passed, very sadly, named Lois Nettleton, who was my celebrity partner who helped me win $25,000. And uh, so I always credit them. And here's a funny story. is I, uh, Years and years later, you know, about, know, about, 10, or 10, about 10 years ago, I was directing a, a pilot, a TV pilot for NBC uh, mm-hmm. about a, people living in a retirement community. And Lois Nettleton came in to audition, and I was just like, I, I, I just made such a scene by like thanking her, and, and you know, just how. Did wonderful. she remember? Uh, I don't know. She did. She, 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 she was very nice. Let's mm-hmm. just say, but she was also, you know, it was really unfair because when you audition for something, you come in, you're kind of all prepared to read, and you know, and you kind of come right. in, sort of, you know. And I just, I, I completely derailed the poor woman because it's just like, I just look in her face and like, why are you doing this to me right now? I have to audition. But, uh, but she was great. She was excellent. And, uh, you and helped just me so start nice my career. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And now, now I can hire a partner. <laughs> but she was so wonderful. Thank you so much, Mr. Fee, for taking this time. And, and will there be a, do you think you're going to do a uh, Ghostbusters 2 reboot? Who knows? Okay. <laughs> Who you knows? Can't tell just, us we're just freshly out. And as, as uh, Melissa McCarthy said, when you're in the operating room and you're having a baby and it's half out, you don't suddenly go like, hey, I think I have another baby right now. <laughs> so, 
We just got the baby out, so we'll see what happens. Thank you so much, and good luck with um, promoting all the movie over here. Everyone's going to love it. Oh, good. I tell you, thanks so much. Thank you so much to director Paul Feig. Ghostbusters premiered last week in the U.S. and here in Sweden on July 27th. And thank you for listening to Pop Culture Confidential. We'll be back at regular speed with the show shortly. And you can always listen back to the interviews with some of the great creators, actors, experts, and journalists at popcultureconfidential.com or on iTunes, Acast, and Tevedax. And for our Swedish listeners, check out tevedax.se for more great Ghostbusters coverage. Get in touch with us through Twitter, at podpopculture. We'd love to hear from you. This show was edited by Tom Hansen, theme music by Carl Boy, and produced by René Wittestedt and myself. I'm Christina Jörling-Biro. Thank you. Are you tired of seeing your teen or young adult struggle on a path that clearly isn't the right fit? Is your teenager confused about which direction to take after high school? The future of work is changing rapidly, and our kids need to know all of the options available after high school so they're empowered to make the choice that is best for them. In each episode, we explore the latest trends that are shaping the opportunities of today and tomorrow. I'm your host, Betsy Jewell, and this is the High School Hamster Wheel Podcast.